So easy to get down, to get sidetracked, to get distracted. Uh, we're here for Jesus, Amen. That's why we're coming. Uh, you say, why do you come? Why do you go to church? Well, I go to church because I'm broken, often confused, in desperate need of encouragement. Uh, I'm, I'm coming here to experience the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Sometimes it's through His people, like what Nelda said. It encouraged me deeply. Um, his, it's important that we gather together. We are not perfect people. Amen? We're not at all. We're not at all. But I, I'm thankful for the, the edification that takes place through the local church. Amen? It is important that we gather. What a blessing it's been. Amen? Luke chapter number 23. I was thinking while yeah, the choir was singing, the way the service is going, I thought it'd be a, be a good morning to preach on going through a struggle or a valley. But uh, I trust in the providence and sovereignty of God. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and the foreknowledge of God. Uh, when he gave me this sermon, uh, he, knew, he knew today that somebody here, maybe several, maybe someone listening in the future, this is the word that they need for their life in that moment. Amen? Luke chapter 23. Jesus is he's on the cross. He's... Uh, not been on it too long. Uh, we're going to see in verse 34. But in verse 33, it says, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. In verse 34, Then said Jesus, so they just crucified him. Now let's pause for a moment and just soak that in for a minute. That, that is not a light statement to just blow through. They crucified him. So we, we know what that means. We know what he's endured throughout the day. We know how he's been beaten and punished and spat on and had his beard plucked out of his face. He's been hit with a reed. He's been mocked with a purple robe. He's, he's had a crown of thorns pressed on his, on his head He's, uh, been, he's been mocked and ridiculed and blasphemed against. And so that's what's happening. And they've nailed him to a tree. And they've suspended him in the air. And they're watching him. Verse 34. So all that's going on. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness from the cross. 
I wonder if that's what we would say. Now you might say, yeah, but that's Jesus, Josh. That ain't me. Now sometimes we, now I want you to be careful about this. Because here's what we do sometimes. We, we try to excuse our sinfulness. And that's what it is. We try to excuse our sinfulness because we say that's our personality. Like I do this a lot, I say this often. Well, you know me, I just say whatever I think. Now, please stop doing that. That, that is not Christ-like. And sometimes we hide our, uh, we, 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 we camouflage our rebellion by saying that's, our, that's the way we are. Or that's our nature, that's what you're saying. But I want I to remind you, if you are a Christian, that you've been born again. And your nature has is, is been changed. Now, I know we all come short of His glory, but we don't want to anymore. And if our, the attitude of our heart is, well, that's just the way that I am, that's a boastful spirit. That, that's not a spirit that has crucified the deeds of the flesh. That's not a spirit that loathes your sin. That's not a spirit, that's not the spirit of Christ. And if anybody have not the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8, they are none of His. Now, if if the attitude of your heart is always this boastful, foolish rebellion cloaked by your personality, I I want you to, you should examine yourself because if if you're glorying in that, that is not the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the spirit of a born-again Christian. I hate when I sin, and I sure ain't happy about it. Okay. So for any heart that's saying, yeah, Josh, but that's Jesus, Peter has something to say about, yeah, that is Jesus. You're right. That is Jesus. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us. So we're called for this. We're called to something for us. Christ suffered for us. And this is specifically exemplified when He's crucified. He suffered for us. What? Leaving us an example that that ye should follow in His steps. Now don't forget that Jesus not only is dying to pay the sinner's debt, like literal, He is sacrificing Himself for your sins. Amen? Think of the weight of that. He's sacrificing Himself to save you from your sins. But not only is that happening, He is what? Leaving us an example. So He... In the midst of His suffering, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that what? So just we can admire it? No, that ye should follow in His steps. So Jesus then, Peter is saying, do what Jesus is doing. Follow in His steps. Even as He's suffering, Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example, this is how we do it, that we should follow in His steps. So, what 
should then you say, if you're a Christian, say, well, I'm a Christian, Brother Josh, then amen, you got a new nature. you got new desires. Old things have passed away. And yes, you come short, but you despise the shortness of it. And your desire is, is to follow in the steps of your Lord. So if you're a Christian today, even the difficulty, and you probably already know this is a sermon about forgiveness, the, the difficulty of that is true. It's absolutely true. But the Bible says that you are to follow in His steps. So then the Word of God is simply, it, the simple application is this, is that you as a believer, Christ leaving you as an example, that you should forgive those who have sinned against you. Amen? You say, well, that ain't really me. But that's Jesus. And it's Jesus in you. So really, it's no longer you that lives, but Christ who liveth in you. See it? Galatians 2. That you were crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, you live. And the life that you now live, you live the life that you now live. I wish I had a dry erase board. I could spell the life that you now live as a Christian. You live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Amen? So, here's the example. That's an extreme example, isn't it? But that's the goal. That's where we're, that's where we want to get to as a Christian is that we forgive those who've sinned against us. Now notice some things about this scene. Number one is this. Notice this. Jesus, now this is teaching us how to forgive. And before I go any further, I want you to think of somebody right now that you're harboring animosity against. The picture, you know who he or she is. Immediately, wham, there they are. The person you haven't forgiven. The person you are so angry about. I want you to picture that person even as I preach this sermon. I want you to see their face because here's the truth. Jesus saw the face of the man that just nailed him to the tree and looks at him and says, I forgive you. So picture the face of your crucifier. Who's been crucifying you, harming you, affecting you negatively, stressing you out, stirring up your waters? Think of that one, okay? Notice this about Jesus. Jesus has grace on the ignorance of his offenders. Jesus has grace to the people who nailed him to the tree, to their ignorance Notice this. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 8, the Bible says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, had they known who Jesus really was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were ignorant. Now the Bible says they were ignorant of who this man really is. The Bible says, had they known had they known that he would have been, that if, if had they known that he was the Lord of glory, they would not have crucified him. 
We know this to be true about the Roman soldier. He said uh, at the end of it all, he said, truly, this is the son of God. He just found out. Okay? We, we know the people, they were stirred by the religious rulers. Crucify him, crucify him. They're, they're, they're very ignorant in what's happening here. Even the rulers are ignorant. Acts chapter 3, verse 17, And now, brethren, I wot not, I wot not through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. Now, I know they crucified Jesus, but they really didn't know the whole picture. They were acting out, but they didn't have all the information. Jesus has grace on them because they are ignorant of really what's going on. Now, the application for you and I is rather simple. Most of people, most of the time, and I know there's some wicked exceptions, but most of the time that some, when someone has so angered you, they are doing it ignorantly. Most people don't have a clue. You ever notice that? Most people that despitefully use you, despitefully use you from a place of ignorance. And Jesus has grace on the ignorance of his offenders. Now, he knows they crucified him, but he knows this too. They really don't know the whole story. He has grace for what's going on. He's living graciously in the midst of a sinful and fallen world. He knows they're not perfect. He knows they don't have all the information. He knows they don't know everything about every detail, so He is gracious to them. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even the statement in itself is alluding to the fact that they really don't know what's going on here. They are ignorant of what is truly happening. I would, I would submit to you that possibly most of the people that have your, your offenders, most of the people that have made you upset, they probably really don't know exactly every detail of why you are so upset. So allow people a little grace. Amen? Number two, I want you to notice this. Jesus not only is ignorant of his offense, of, he's, excuse me, gracious to the ignorance of his offenders, but Jesus is praying for them. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 12, the Word of God says this, that he bore, he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Messiah, and he's following the Word of God, and the Word of God says the Messiah will bear the sin of many, that's what he's doing, and he will make intercession for the transgressor. So Jesus is praying for them according to the Word of God. But Jesus also says that you and I should do the same thing. So Jesus has been crucified, he's gracious to the ignorance of his offenders, and he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43 and 44, Jesus says this to us, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thine enemy and hate, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Jesus says, let Jesus speak to you for a minute. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So anyone who asks Jesus for forgiveness, He forgives them. And anyone who doesn't ask, He prays for them and treats them well. You and I should live exactly like that. Anybody, 
who ask your forgiveness, you forgive them. And anybody who don't ask for your forgiveness, you pray for them until they ask. And even if they don't, you treat them well anyway. That's how Jesus Christ wants His people to live. You forgive them and pray for them and be nice to them. Be kind to them. And Jesus, freshly crucified, is praying for His enemies and He's being kind to those who despitefully used Him and persecuted Him. Hey, don't you think He could have? He could have called down 10,000 legions of angels, couldn't He? And wiped them all out. Just at a breath of His voice, He could have said, Be gone. And every one of them would have been gone. Why, you and I, a bunch of times, if we had the power, we'd really mess somebody up, wouldn't we? But Jesus has the power to mess them up, and He didn't. You and I, if we could get away with it and not get caught, we would show them what we really think about them, don't we? And we don't have the power to do it. But Jesus has the power to do it, and He don't do it. He prays for them, and He is good to those who despitefully used Him and persecuted Him. Thirdly, notice this. Not only is He gracious to the ignorance of those who offended Him, not only does He pray for those who have sinned against Him, but He also quickly forgives them. So we know this is the first saying from the cross. We know Jesus was on the cross for about six hours. So this is within, we could say, within the first hour. I believe it's within the first five minutes. They sinned against Him, and Jesus quickly forgives them. So what's the example I should follow, you should follow in His steps? When someone sins against you, you should quickly be willing to forgive them. You say, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, but Jesus is your example. You should follow in His steps. Amen. So that just ain't who I am. I know you, the old one died and you resurrected with Jesus. Amen. So that ain't who I am, but that's who Jesus is. Amen. The moment they sinned against Him, He was quick to forgive them. You know, why you want to live upset with everybody? Why do you want to live every moment of your day just furiously angry about those who've sinned against you? The truth is they probably rarely understand how much they've sinned against you. I wonder even after you've even prayed for them. When's the last time you prayed for the one that you are so mad about? I mean, don't you want their heart to change? Or do you want to get even with them? Don't you want Jesus to fix them? Or do you want retribution and payback? You see, the Spirit of Jesus is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Amen? Now, what does it mean if you're not willing to forgive? Now, Jesus forgave quickly. I went turkey hunting a few weeks ago, and I came back from the woods with five ticks on me. Five. The moment I saw them, is that nasty, Pete? The moment I saw them ticks on me, Nelda, I plucked it off. And I found another one. I mean, would I let it be on there 10 minutes? No. I'm not going to let it stay on there and suck the life out of me. I'm not going to let it live with me. 
I'm not going to let it engorge itself off my life. You know, that's what lack of forgiveness is to our lives. It's like a tick that is sucking the life off. And you should detest your hatred and anger and malice just as much as I detested them five ticks that were stuck on my body. I want rid of them. Rid of them. Because I can't live right with some tick on me. I can't eat supper with five ticks on me. Could you, Jace? Five nasty, blood-sucking ticks? Mom, I'm going to go to work with a tick on me. I'm not going to work till the tick's off of me. As a matter of fact, I'm not doing anything until the tick comes off of me. And you and I sometimes are walking around. No wonder we're spiritually drained. No wonder we're discouraged. No wonder we're upset. No wonder we're frustrated. No wonder we don't have no peace. No wonder we don't have victory. Because our hatred and our malice and our anger and our grudges are literally sucking the life out of us. And it distracts us from what God called us to do. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. God sent His Son to save the world. And His mission was to forgive and to love and to be kind and to be gracious. You say, well, that ain't who I am. But Jesus left you an example that you should follow in His steps. That's what you should do. You say, oh, that's not really my nature. Well, the Bible has a word to say then about if that's not your nature. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 15. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number, verse number 15. Jesus said, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What does it mean? It means that if you are so cruel and hard-hearted, that, and you will not forgive other people, it means this, that you have not experienced the saving grace and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you've been forgiven by all of your sins, and God lets you off the hook by His grace, through His blood atonement, by His Son, if that Spirit is not in you, then I would encourage you, please examine yourself today and wonder why Christ's Spirit is not in you. Amen? You heard about the parable in Matthew 18, hadn't you? There was a king who had a servant. And this servant owned the king a debt. And the servant, he went to the king, Jesus said, and he begged the king's mercy that he would forgive him his debt. So the king, the Bible says, Jesus said, the king had compassion on him. Felt sorry for him. He said, I forgive you your debt. So the servant left the king's presence with forgiveness of his debt. And the servant, though, had a fellow servant. And that fellow servant owed the servant who was forgiven a debt. So the fellow servant came to the servant who was forgiven, and he said, please forgive me of my debt. He begged him and begged him and begged him. But the servant who was forgiven would not forgive his fellow servant. The one who is forgiven would not forgive. Jesus said that king was exceedingly wroth. He was exceedingly upset. So the king took the servant who would not forgive. And he threw him into the prison because he was wroth. Angry. I forgave you. Why won't you forgive other people? And Jesus said, so will my heavenly Father do unto you if you do not also forgive others of their debts. It's practical what Jesus is doing. 
Jesus is dying to save sinners, not to condemn them. Why then would He not forgive? Jesus has called you into a ministry of mercy and grace and peace and love. If you've been forgiven, then why won't you also forgive? Are you so less of a sinner than your neighbor who Jesus died to save you from your sins? But their sins are so great that if Christ can forgive them and you can't, do you see the inconsistency there? This is the example Peter said that we should follow in his steps. Now lastly, I want to cover all the bases because you know what preaching is? Preaching is contending for the faith. Preaching is arguing a point. Preaching just ain't yelling and screaming and hopping and snarling. It is presenting the gospel. It is, it is I'm arguing, I'm pleading, I'm, don't you see, don't you see? Now, lastly, what about when we don't feel like forgiving? What about the cases of forgiveness in the presence of bad feelings? I want to say something, first of all. If you felt good about it, there's probably really no need to forgive anybody, right? Because most of our forgiveness is needed when we feel bad about it. If you feel good about it, there's probably no need for forgiveness. And if you wait until you feel good about it, you'll never forgive. Because like anybody, when you're angry and upset, it sure is hard to send somebody flowers, isn't it? Now, I would argue that Jesus, though the joy set before him, I would say he's not in the best of happy moods on the cross. Now, don't forget, he's a man too. Though sinless, yes, but I'm certain that Jesus on the cross isn't very comfortable. He's not in the best of moods that day. What about forgiveness in the presence of bad feelings? Now remember, I think it's also in Matthew 18 where Peter says, Lord, how oft should I forgive my brother who trespasses against me? So you know what Peter's saying? I really don't like doing it. When is enough enough? When do I have to quit being nice? When does the kindness and the grace and the mercy run out? I'm glad in the book of Psalms it says of the Lord that His mercy endureth forever. Amen? Because I come for forgiveness often, don't you? And I'm sure glad I've not come to the end of His mercy. How often should I forgive my brother who trespasses against me? You get the spirit of this question, don't you? I mean, in other words, let's, let's, let's imagine it out for a moment before I close. This person has done this to me. This person annoys me. You know what might annoy him? This person frustrates me. This person gets under my skin. I'll be honest, when they come one way, I want to go the other direction. Every time I try to be nice to them, they shun me. Every time I try to be gracious to them, they insult me. Jesus, how oft should I forgive them? Amen. Jesus said, I say unto you, seven times seventy. 
So what is he saying then? How do I... Am I required to forgive someone in the presence of bad feelings? If bad feelings weren't there, there's no offense. But Jesus said offenses will come. You know why Jesus wants you to follow in His steps? Because offenses and trouble will come and that will never change. Jesus is trying to change you. He's trying to change you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't know how bad it hurts me. They don't know what it does to me. They might not even know at all. I remember one time I'm closing, I was so mad, Bryson, at somebody. You ever got mad, Bryson? <laughs> you ever been mad, Blake? Yeah. Matt, you ever been mad? Yeah. Has she breathed? Boy, I was mad. Some people think, you mad, Pastor? I'm a man. Yeah, I've been mad. I've been hurt too. You ever been hurt? Man, I tell you what, hurt. I didn't know sometimes ministry was going to hurt this bad, Jason. You ever been hurt? Just, I mean hurt, just mad. I remember one time I was so mad. And then I found out. that I was wrong. That's a humbling epiphany, isn't it? You know what's hard about that? Because sometimes, sometimes our anger, we are so mad, it justifies, it, it distorts the truth of what's going on. Like, I wouldn't be this mad if I wasn't right. That's what we think. Because I'm this I wouldn't be this mad if this wasn't true. That is a humbling experience. When I was so mad, and I was so wrong. See, all this, is, all this trouble we have, it's always confusing. It's always gray. It's always muddy water. We never have all the information. We're always going off of what we perceive. And most of the time, most of the time, we are ignorant of what's really going on. Hey, Jesus wants to save you from the washing machine of offenses, emotions, feelings, and trouble. Quickly forgive. Roll right on. Jesus didn't call you to be angry. He called you to pray to be kind and forgive. Even in the presence of bad feelings, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And oh Lord Jesus, please quickly sanctify me because it is the Christian's desire in the midst of a flesh that rebels against you. Oh Jesus, please by Your Spirit change who I am that I might follow in your steps. Hey, I got complete confidence in this right here. Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my will, I will grant it unto you. If you ask Him, Jesus, change my heart that I might quickly and effectually and effectively forgive. Jesus, change me that I might be a forgiving person. 
Jesus will say, yeah, because I want to follow, I want you to follow in my steps. Amen? If you're a Christian, I'm closing. He's given you everything necessary, all the tools that are needed to change your heart. He's given you His Word. He says, I want, I want you to forgive, to pray for them and to be good to them. He's given you His Word. He's given you His Spirit that says amen to His Word and that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwelleth in you and it will quicken your mortal bodies. And if you are His, His your spirit as a new creature will say, Amen, Lord, help me. And that same spirit will change you if you're willing to follow Him. It'll do it. Lord Jesus, make me willing. Make me willing. Is there someone that you need to forgive? I will encourage you, do it quickly. So, well, I don't feel like it. Now, don't get confused. There's a difference between doing something because it's what we should do and not doing something because we don't feel like it. Like, I, don't, I didn't feel like preaching today. I didn't feel like it. You ever not felt like coming to church? Our feelings shouldn't matter. Lord, help me to do what you've called me to do. And Lord, I forgive them, but I'm still dealing with it. I know it. that's your feelings, but you just be obedient. You'll be obedient. And watch Jesus do a work in you if you'll just be willing to do it. Now don't get confused and say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel like it. Yeah, but are you willing to? If you're willing to do it, if you're willing to forgive in the midst of bad feelings, first of all, Praise God, it means your nature has been changed. If you're willing to do it in the midst of bad feelings, then I surrender and follow Jesus and He will change your heart. He will. Who is it? Who are they? Forgive. Let's stand to our feet. What song, Bryson? 137. Page 137. If they don't want to be forgiven... You pray for them. You be good to them. <laughs> Anyone who wants to be forgiven, you forgive them. Anyone who wants, you pray for them. You pray for them. You be good to them. Quickly do it. Amen? Amen. Hey, this word could really change a heart today. Amen? This word could really change a family. It sure can. Listen, it don't mean we're excusing sin. No, it don't mean that at all. But hey, you know what? I live with sinners. I worship with sinners. That Jesus has called me to treat people good. Amen? Yeah, I'm going to tell the truth. Absolutely. Hey, listen, you can't, you can't act that way, but I love you. Yeah, that's not what the Word of God teaches, but I sure do love you. I sure do love you. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. If there's a need, you come. You come pray.